You're listening to Tripperhead's Talking Tea with Aaron Bush. Previously on Plight of the Pilots. So there's no interaction between the association and cafe management? <laughs> okay, so uh, I mean, at the, at the time, I mean, obviously it was quite early on. So this was in October, November of 2020, right? And in pandemic time, that's it's just started, right? It's not that long into it. And they introduced these new contracts. And at the same time, they they came out with these statements that cooperation with unions was sort of old fashioned. It was old school. They didn't want this confrontation. And they basically said, we're not going to speak to the unions anymore. You know, they made this decision. They misidentified the, the, the threats and the opportunities. No one in the room, when Cathay decided to do to, to to make these cuts, said, "Well, what if all these people just leave?" Welcome to Tripperhead's Talk and Tea podcast with me, Aaron Bush. In part two of Plight of the Pilots, Hong Kong Aircrew Officers Association Chairman Paul Weatherall talks about the end of the pandemic restrictions and where he sees Cathay heading in the future. This podcast was recorded live at Elephant Grounds Cafe in Causeway Bay on June 28, 2023. Content warning. This podcast briefly discusses sensitive topics such as suicide and mental health. So how many pilots did Cathay lose over the pandemic, especially into... I know a few pilots in being on Twitter. People uh, contact me and I know just through sports and friends that their families just packed up and left. Okay, we started with about uh, just under 4,000 pilots. Okay, we've got 2,400 now. Right, so we've recruited another four hundred. So it's not—it's not far off two thousand pilots left. Not 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 far off half the pilots left. And now, and just to be sure, you need pilots to fly airplanes, right? Absolutely. Like we've got that right. It does help. We haven't quite got to uh, to drones yet. And although that's an issue. Of those two thousand, were you in contact with them when they were leaving? Did you get a sense of it was just I've had enough, or Uh, that another opportunity, a different airline came up? What was what was the prevailing mood from those um, that you talked to that were leaving? I, I mean, there were definitely opportunities elsewhere. And I'm not saying the pandemic didn't uh, take a toll, but um, there were, you know, it was definitely survivable. I would say that the pandemic plus the cuts to salaries was that that that's what it was. But I mean, I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's worth contrasting what happened in the, the GFC at 2008-2009. Um, if you go and read the annual report, which sort of followed that or maybe the year after, Cathay made bumper profits and in the opening paragraph the statement says we kept the team together and that allowed them to have this really good strong uh, financial performance afterwards cafes i mean listen i think a lot of the the, i don't know what you think aaron but they're obviously all the first order effects of the pandemics which is the which is people dying of the disease right it's pretty obvious but there are all these second and third order effects which go on organizations change they're all this you know organizations which are well-oiled machines in normal times they suddenly wow what's going on here and people make strange decisions and i think um i think cathay made some pretty strange decisions at that time in fact our, our own association internally went through some ups and downs as well 
or people get a little bit um, they lose sight of what's going on get they over enthusiastic in certain areas their attention goes to the wrong place you have been the chairman since last September yeah. so you're working through the pandemic but not as the chairman no you took over right towards the end of the restrictions, but they were still all in place in September. They, they were. Um, how was it for you transitioning back into being the chairman and taking over during the pandemic? Um, no, it wasn't easy because I think that uh, the association sort of had to, I mean, to pivot. Is, is that the word they use? I mean, from this sort of survival mode to, well, what's happening now is we emerged into the new world. We were obviously clearly short of pilots. There was a pilot shortage around the world and Cathay didn't, still hasn't seemed to, uh, to recognize that. And also, I think the people that were running the association at the time, they were, they were focused on slightly different things. I mean, I, I, look, let's not underestimate that, as I, I think I said to you, that pandemic is probably something of a footnote and uh running a union in hong kong now is definitely has changed about what you can and can't do but i'm not too sure whether i'd be a, i'm not too sure whether i'd rather be a swa boss or a union boss at the moment i think they both have their challenges you're speaking on that point we're now in 2023 the pandemic restrictions have eased you are a union boss though in yeah. hong kong yeah how do you navigate that I think carefully, um, respectfully. Uh, I think uh, as long as we concentrate on the things, uh, the internal things that we have with our, our company, I don't think I don't think there's a problem. Um, yeah, we. Just, I, I let's see, <laughs> let's see. It's a, a bit of a brave new world. Do you feel like the union and the bosses at Cathay are coming back together after the pandemic, or is there still sort of a, a rift between the two? I would say it's a rift, but I think probably the bosses of the unions have got a lot more in common than the bosses would like to uh, to admit. There's a lot of incentive there, so I, I think it will happen. It's just a matter of time. I'm patient. You're listening to Tripperhead's Talking to You with Aaron Bush. It's uh, June 28th, and then just the other day, yeah. uh, they had their cadets pilot program coming through. How do you feel about the cadet program working as a Cathay pilot and as the association chair? Um, well, my whole time in Cathay, we've had cadets, and um, they're great. You know, they're really good. Um, as I say, we've got a very mixed background in terms of experience, and cadets has always been part of that mix. Um, I mean, right now, actually, I'm flying uh, narrow body, and uh, all of the people I fly with, nearly all of them, are ex-cadets, and they are so good. But what's going on? I mean, to the to to Cathay's um, uh, news about their their cadet pipeline. It's a very long, thin pipeline. Point one, a cadet isn't really a pilot. A cadet is uh, an apprentice pilot. And these guys that they're recruiting, they'll make fine captains and first officers in due course. But in the whole of my time in Cathay, which is 30 years, Cathay has trained about 1,000 cadets. And of those 1,000 cadets, about 185 are now captains. So that gives you some idea how long it takes to take someone and turn them into captain. We're 700 captains short at the moment. This is not going to solve the problem. I mean, I'm not privy to um, what Cathay's plans are, but this is not going to solve the problem. Not in the medium term. Long term, of course, they can crew the airline with cadets, but it's a long-term project, like a 20-year project, probably. Tripperheads talk and tea. Now, you have been at Cathay for 30 years. Surely there's a few uh, 
stories you can tell. Uh, you've got uh, 20th century Cathay Pacific and 21st century Cathay Pacific. How has it changed over the years? Um, oh, I, I don't. How has it changed? I'm not too sure. This. Um, I don't know. How has it changed? I mean, I suppose it's a lot of the changes are probably. You did say you were going to ask me this. <laughs> pre-warned and it's still a tricky I, question I have, no no I have uh, you know no excuses I mean it's Cathay's got a lot bigger right so, okay it's got a lot more probably a lot more corporate um, and whereas all right, when I joined it it was just the end of it being uh, you know a big family really so that's that's definitely one change um, it's quite rightly become a lot less expat and a lot more Hong Kong so I mean I do like to think of everyone that I represent as being Hong Kong pilots you know so you know I think it's just that um, everyone who works for Cathay is a Hong Kong pilot we've got a Hong Kong license some of us were born here some of us weren't we came from different places but we're all Hong Kong pilots uh, whereas before that and you know there's still there's still something or there was a, a big expat dominance which was not was long term was going to have to change and it has changed although you, this is two white guys talking exactly, to each other now well, so I, I'm probably I, I'm on probably slightly uh, dodgy rounds uh, claiming anything like that you probably need to go and speak to someone you have been here for at least how yeah. 30 years family and the like grow up here so I mean you can call yourself a Hong Kong yeah. you're not an expat anymore um we are now in 2023, yep. and we just learned recently that Cathay, again, much like after the GFC, have uh, been rumoured that they're going to post record-breaking profits after the pandemic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yet the contracts for the pilots remain as they were during the pandemic. Yeah, in other words, cut. In other words, from, you know, they are, there was pre-pandemic, then they were cut during the pandemic, and yeah, that's where they remain. Exactly right. So what is the feeling? Is We were talking about the morale during, and you're in the trenches together. You're now out of the trenches. How does that go with your members when you can hear, see on social media that Cathay are about to announce big profits again but nothing's changed for your members yeah no i i mean i don't think you need to be a social rocket scientist to work out that that is slightly aggravating now listen i i'm pretty sure that there'll be some sort of recognition uh for the staff of what's happened because uh, and you know i can't i don't really have that much of an inside track on profits but if you look at load factors which they advertise every month and if you and you have probably bought an airline ticket recently and, and they're not cheap and uh yeah it'll be a there'll be uh, uh there'll be pretty good profits and kathy kathy have said that no surprises i'm sure they'll give some of that back in the in my way of uh, bonuses but when you look around the world they've got some catching up to do I'm, i don't know how many was it eight months or something at singapore emirates got months and months of uh profit share so that that indicates i think just where the market is in terms of airlines unfortunately because of that that's why i say that decision that they took the airline's half the size it it could have been and it could have been making twice the profit that's why i say that decision that was taken extremely damaging to shareholders in my opinion on that i'm going to go back a little bit so do you feel like cathay management pre-pandemic then in the pandemic changed to a bunker situation where they were just telling orders rather than talking with the staff themselves because get to the question that they have 
sort of leaked that they're going to get these big profits to like Bloomberg and the like without talking to you guys. And is it, do you feel like that's still an extension after the pandemic where instead of talking to the staff and saying, look, there might be something coming up in the books, we're just going to announce. Instead, they announced that they've got uh, big profits coming, but nothing mentioned to you or your members. I mean, I think if you look exactly at what they said, they, they, the Cathay has to be pretty careful too about you know saying things which don't happen in terms of moving the market or whatever. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't expect them to sit down and ever really talk to us about the, that sort of detail. I would expect them to sit down and talk to us about where our contract's going and how they're going to be able to recruit and retain pilots. Because if they don't recruit and retain pilots, they're, they're not really going to be able to, to deliver for their shareholders. I mean, there's a, I, I don't know what it is. In America, there's maybe two slightly different philosophies in, in, uh, in the States, maybe slightly more entrepreneurial. They've got, they've got making big profits and someone says, well, we need some more pilots. And, and then, then the guy and the boss, who's a bit more of an entrepreneur, says, uh, yeah, go get me some more pilots. And I don't care how much it costs sort of thing. Uh, in Cathay, there's a bit more of a maybe a budget mentality. We've got a plan and we're going to stick to it. Now, they haven't got many options because of the, what, the decisions they've made. But, um, you know, they're definitely missing out on uh, profits at the moment. You're listening to Tripperheads Talking Tea with Aaron Bush. Did you ever go to Penny's Bar? I didn't, know. How, Be- did, how did you survive not going to Penny's Bar? Well, because, uh, as I said to you, there were two distinct groups. Um, there were the pilots that were flying hard, particularly the freighter pilots. And on the passenger side, um, our, the, our newer A350s, they were kept flying. I was on the 777. I did very little flying. I basically read your tweets and watched Netflix. So you were one of the ones, you were saying, yeah. like a bench system. You're in, in waiting mode. Yeah, exactly. And um, I guess the, I mean, the, the, one of the things that's occurred to me is, you know, what, what, are, what, the, what the bosses should have done. They should have said to all the pilots, look, we can do anything for you. It just can't involve money. And that's what they sort of, they, they failed to do. There's so many things that they could have done which didn't involve money. They should have given people lots of different options for staying with the airline, but maybe going away somewhere. Uh, they should have been tailored packages for people in terms of what they needed, what they could do without, what part of the world they could live in, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we did touch on this idea that the company were always a little bit nervous about how quickly things would recover, maybe down to the 2003 um, SARS pandemic. So uh, my experience was this just this hanging around a lot of the time, not doing uh, an awful lot. Um, so I, I'm trying to get my head how it... So obviously, I mean, one of the things that happened was that quarantines, they sort of lengthened, didn't they? They went for a few days to a few weeks. At one point, it was mad now to say it was three weeks quarantine. 21 days. Do you remember that? I do. Did you I, do 21 days ever? Absolutely not. <laughs> but apparently, I should have done it earlier because every time I did go on holidays, they'd change the rules again. Right. Remember the first time that I flew out was August 2022? Yeah. Because I went... I Okay, I could possibly do seven days. Wow. Okay. So and uh, so while recent. I was while I was on holidays, um, they changed it to three. Right. And so everyone was cheering and saying, "Why didn't you go on holidays earlier?" And I did three days, and I almost went insane. So I do not know how people did twenty-one, and that's where with the pilots that were doing yeah. constant every time constant. they got off that plane, if they weren't in loop, they were in a hotel quarantine. 
Well, I, okay, the loop was only really done to um, avoid the long quarantine, right? So the loop basically went fly hotel. So you were still in a hotel room and and confined to that hotel room for two or three nights, then fly again, then a bit more hotel. And then at the end of that, you would then do the full quarantine. Do you see what I mean? So yes. this meant that there's rather than a small amount of flying and one big quarantine, they gave you this concentrated amount of flying and work, which still involved isolation because well, you couldn't leave your hotel room. When did Luke come in? It was oh, last year, good. right? No, I think it was before. 2021? Oh, I should know the answer to this. Well, Let's see. So, so should we, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 20, I would say 2021 it came in for sure. 2021 that came in. As I mentioned before we started recording, I've forgotten more than I... Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, well, you, and most people know about the pandemic. You obviously knew an awful, an awful lot at one yeah. time. So, yeah. And, and there was one tragic story. We don't know if it was related to the pandemic or not, but there was one pilot back on maybe 2021 or 2022 yeah. that um, took yeah. his own life. Um, and that's where we get to that point where how mentally... Now, obviously, pilots are mentally tough to, to fly. They're very smart people, and they know they, they, they. But at sometimes, at some point, they 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 were becoming broken people. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. It's not like uh, anyone had this sort of experience before. I mean, I, I remember early on in the pandemic, picking up the New York Times and reading an article about prisons in New York, and someone there had just decided that. Anything more than two weeks in solitary confinement uh, was a cruel and unusual punishment and sort of dangerous. But here we were routinely doing two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and, um, and over time doing many, many weeks. So I think we were all operating in a slightly unknown area in terms of mental health, for sure. Um, and yeah, I guess there, there were some consequences. And that's what I'm talking about, second and third order consequences. Some of them are very off, obvious, like that tragedy we talk about. But you know, I'm pretty sure that there are other effects which are still uh, working their way through all of us and everything. We've talked about the pilots, yeah. but we haven't really touched on the families very much. How yeah. did it affect the families of your members, the pilots, over the three years? Well, I think there were probably two things. For the people who had families here, there was the constant threat of ending up in Penny's Bay as a family. That happened to quite a few people. And then the number of time, times I would sit down with someone and they'd say, oh, I haven't seen my family for two years because, you know, there were restrictions everywhere. No one could really travel. And if you were someone who had to work here in Hong Kong, it was difficult to get time off. And bear in mind, you had six weeks leave. Now, believe it or not, you know, Cathay would not cover the quarantine. If it was three weeks quarantine, that was your time. So and there, there were a few exceptions. There were a few exceptions, but generally speaking, you had to factor in quarantine at your own account in terms of uh, the hotel expense and also the time out of your leave. So it's quite possible regular back in 2021 22 the pilots were using up half their leave yeah on some of them hotel were. quarantine some of them were some of them were that's right and that's why i say you know i think the the, the company fell down a little bit uh, they fell down a wee bit on that in terms of someone saying look everyone we want to keep you all together We'll do anything for you as long as it doesn't involve money. And, you know, that would have gone a long way. There were a lot of things that I think they could have done. 
and that's why you have unions because you could sit down and you could get you could make they could help bear some of this pain and if people are being talked to it's a lot easier to do things cafe became very command and control very command and control tripper heads talk and tea how do you balance being the voice of Cathay Pilots and being employed by the company you're sometimes vocal against, especially in the new normal of Hong Kong? No, it's, it's something of an unknown. Listen, I mean, if, if you're a pilot representative, that's you are, to some extent, um, that's the job. And I think, I think Cathay understand that too. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a balancing act. I mean, I'd li- I like to think that I'm respectful. I have had a pretty good career with Cathay. I think there's a lot of good things about them. Uh, I just think that like a lot of organizations, they just get a few, few things wrong from time to time and they, you know, they could do better. And uh, as, you know, in my job as a representative of pilots, I, I, I've got their interests at heart. And I actually think most of the time there's a huge overlap of interests between the pilots and the company that employs them. Now, finally, Paul, you're only a couple of years away from retirement. What will you miss most about uh, being a pilot after t- four decades? <laughs> uh, it's I've just been very lucky. It's a it's a great job. We see the most amazing things. It's uh, yeah. It's I'm not in, in an office. Um, generally speaking, at the end of a trip, I can forget about what's happened. Whereas you know these days. A lot of responsible jobs are 24-7. You cannot escape it. Most of the time as a pilot, you, you can do that. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I was a little boy, fascinated by airplanes. I still think it's a pretty cool job. <laughs> what are you going to do with your spare time? I don't know. That's a very good question. Maybe they'll extend the entire retirement age. No, I don't see myself going past uh, 65. Um, spend a bit more time with my family. Long overdue. Paul Weatherall. Thanks for joining me on Trip Ahead's Talk and Tea podcast. It's been a pleasure being here, Aaron. I feel privileged to have been the first and the best of luck with it. I hope it goes well. Trip Ahead's Talk and Tea is written, produced and published by Aaron Bush for Trip Ahead Limited. Additional voices by Jade Bush. Copyright 2023.